Welcome to the God-Centered Recovery Podcast brought to you by Narrowgate Ministries. This podcast is dedicated to giving you a God-centered approach to recovery and to life. Follow along. Let's get started. All right, man. Welcome back to the God-Centered Men's Recovery Show. I am your host, Tim Holloway, and I am glad to be back at you again. Hey, look, if you're new here, this is a show dedicated to Christian men inside of recovery and want to live an awesome, uh, spirit-filled life. If that's you, uh, welcome. Uh, I think that you'll find this, and actually I know, uh, you you will find this very beneficial to uh, recovery and also to discipleship, which is super important. Uh, so we're going to continue on our topic, and we're talking about weathering the storms. What I'm doing is creating everything, uh, getting everything that I possibly know about weathering the storms and going through different uh, difficult circumstances. I'm getting it fleshed out in video form. Uh, so we can go through it and create a book. Um, and so you're taking part of that rawness of this. Uh, if I repeat myself or if I say things, um, you know, uh, when I put it in in Word format, I'm going to edit those things out. So at any rate, welcome. And I'm glad you're here. Uh, so we're going to skip the recap for today and we're going to jump right in. And it's uh, Luke chapter six. And we're going to be talking about weathering the storms. Uh, so verse uh, 46 says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? Um, I will show you whom he was like, who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice. And this is verse 48. He is like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on a rock. When the flood came and the torrent struck the house, uh, but it could not shake it because it was well built. Uh, but the one who hears my words and doesn't put them into practice is like a man who built his house on the ground without a foundation. And the moment torrents struck the house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. So this is highly, highly relevant story inside of talking about weathering the storm. And that is going through difficult circumstances, maintaining composure, uh, standing in stability, and uh, really uh, developing a sense of grit, and uh, that we are battle-born, and that we can go through these difficult situations, and they cannot affect us in a very detrimental fashion. Um, and this story is highly relevant, because Jesus gives two men. There is a man who weathered the storm, and there is a man who the storm weathered him. And what that means is that there is a man who triumphed victoriously over the storm. And then there was a man whose storm annihilated him. And so two separate men with two different outcomes. And Jesus gives us the behind the scene into why these outcomes took place. And uh, if we want to have a life that is filled with grit and stability and strong and weather the storms, then he actually gives us the formula to accomplish uh, that very task, okay? And so it's important to notice that. Starting out in verse uh, 46, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do the things that I say? Uh, you know, I find this statement to be uh, very confrontational, very in your face. And uh, basically, you know, why do you respect me in such manner when you don't, when, when the words that I speak go in one ear and out the other? And so we're going to dive into the definitions here and get a full, complete uh, uh, kind of context to what is being said here. But you know for sure that it's very tongue-in-cheek. It's very uh, uh, 
almost like a tad bit critical in nature, um, but it's very um, just dropping a truth bomb to them. Why are you, why are you going to call me Lord, Lord, and don't do the things that I say? So, Lord, first of all, it's a title of respect. Uh, it's respect giving to a, a person, giving them intention, uh, giving them consideration. Uh, it is a title given to someone in whom you hold in high regard. And so that being said, he's saying here is that you're saying that I have your attention, okay, and that uh, I am your focal point and you're listening to me, um, but you are not doing the things that I say. You say that you hold me in high regard and that you consider me greatly, yet when I speak, it goes in one ear and out the other. So Lord, Lord, it's a, a, someone who is in supreme authority. It is someone who has the ultimate final say. It is the highest person inside of rank. Okay, it's important for us to really grab that. So, so you're you're saying that uh, I am highest in rank, and that I am the ultimate and the final authority, and my word goes. And but then once again, he brings it back that you say that with your lips, but um, you don't do the things that I say. Once again, a Lord is uh, the power to influence and command thought, opinion, and behavior. Um, I find this to be a great reality. And uh, there's some sort of checks and balances that I see inside of God because he has the uh, really the ability to do whatever he wants. And then, of course, within him is this, this moral compass that, that governs and dictates his behavior. But the reality is, is that there's nothing that he, he cannot do. The old analogy is that can God create a rock that he, he himself cannot lift? Uh, he can, but then he can't. And so this really uh, uh, analogy of what God can really do and his power uh, is through the roof. And that is he can snap his finger and my life could end just like that. He can um, practically uh, uh, brainwash me and get me to behave much like a robot of course, he would defy his own uh, moral compass. But the reality is, is that he has the ability to do whatever he wants. He has the power uh, to do anything upon anybody's behavior that he so chooses at any moment. Now, of course, this still means that he is he is ruled by uh, love because God is love and the moral compass and he can't defy his own morality. Uh, but I find it to be awesome that to, he can pretty much uh, do whatever he wants when he wants. Um, I think to be God, that must be a reality. So he's the master of the house, if you will. And that is, you know, in the, the uh, olden days, they called the master of the house, they called him Lord. And the master of the house was the, the person who basically owned the slaves. Right. It was uh, the way the economy worked in olden days, but the slaves were the servants or the employees and the lords were the employer. And so in this mindset is saying, you know what, he is the employer of the serpent, uh, ser uh, servants. He is the operational head of the household. And he is the symbolically, if you get the picture, he is the one who is in charge of the domestic staff. 
So when you think about this in like a, a royal mindset of a person who is the, you know, the ultimate uh, uh, person who is in charge and who is in who is in authority. And the last definition to this Lord is the idea of control. And that is to govern and to direct it by, uh, by rules and regulations. But it means uh, in a greater sense to bring order, to bring uniformity to a standard. And so this is what God, uh, uh, mode of operation inside of our life is to become the Lord of our, of our life. Um, you know, it's easy for him to become savior. And that is we go through difficult circumstances and we begin to cry out to him to be rescued. And uh, we get fully acquainted with his identity as Savior. Um, what we don't get thoroughly acquainted with is his idea of lordship. And that is that he is the one who is in charge and we are under his rule and his authority and under his submission and all of these different things. And that, that very, uh, in that very relationship is that we are going to bring into conformity with the Father. And that is that we are going to be in unified mind, unified action, unified behavior, and that that is what he's going to accomplish inside of our lives. And this last definition of Lord is, is one who um, has restraining or directing influence over somebody. So when you think about this in a royal mindset, you think of a king, a prince, uh, you know, that's what this title says. It says, so if he was saying, um, you call me king, king, uh, but you, you, you're not uh, swayed by my influence of my reign. So it's much like this in, in a royal mindset that the king gives a decree, right? And the subjects, um, they don't listen to the decree. In fact, they, they spit on the decree. They burn the decree. They do whatever to, they want to the decree, but they don't actually uh, carry out the order or the edict, Okay, so this is the mindset that Jesus is tapping into here is that you call me king, but you're you're not acting like a subject. And that is that I give I, I give uh, influence, I give sway, I give authority and I give power. And you're not subject to any of those things inside of your life. This is a harsh, harsh reality and a harsh truth. And so when we're talking about uh, weathering the storms, I think one of the foundation and the fundamental things is to get this down. And that is not only is Jesus uh, Christ my savior, but he is my Lord also. And that is my responsibility to begin to yield to the process, begin to trust in the process and allow the king to sit on the throne of my heart and begin to govern and rule inside of my life. I think that is a, a powerful reality on this way to overcoming the storms. So. <clears throat> he said, um, you call me Lord, Lord, or why do you do this? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do? So why do you call me and don't do? And so this word do, it has like four, um, four processes to application to do something. Uh, the first one is to agree. And that is that you consent to a course of action. So I want you to think about this for a minute, that your, your boss has a vision and has an idea about moving the company forward. Let's just uh, bring that analogy into picture. So he communicates the vision and you see where everybody's going. Now the first step in this process to adoption is that you're going to agree. And that is that you're going to give assent to the, the course of action. 
Uh, you begin to see why it's beneficial to you. You begin to see what it's going to look like in the future as you carry out these actions. And what you do is you come into agreement <clears throat> with that process. That means you see it too, okay? Now, the second part of that is which a lot of people stop just as agreement. They just go, oh, yeah, I see it. I see the vision. I see where <clears throat> where we're going to go. I see what you want to accomplish in my life, right? <clears throat> and I give mental assent to it, and I give agreement. And then it usually just stops there. And that is under an inspirational moment at a church service, and, and emotions are high, and you come to the conclusion that this is the will of God for your life, and all of a sudden you, you give mental assent and you give mental agreement to, to it. And this is where most men stop. They're like, yeah, this idea, I love this vision that you have for my life. I love that you're going to accomplish great things. And, and they just sit and bask on this, on this uh, agreement, and that's all there is. Step two is actually committing. And that is that you pledge. Uh, uh, not, only, not only do you uh, assent and agree to what is taking place, but you commit and pledge your allegiance to that task. See, that's one thing that they do, you know, inside of occupation and you're becoming an employee. Uh, you sign an employee contract and it has certain uh, things and expectations for you to live up to. So not only do you agree with the vision, but you commit to a code of conduct and all of these different things. But it's, it, it's more than just giving a mental assent. It's looking at the plan and saying, <coughs> I'm all in. I'm going to uh, commit to that. And I'm going to see my role inside of accomplishing that. And I'm going to step up to that. You see how that's like a greater sense of, of walking forward. So agreement's not enough. Uh, commitment. Uh, sometimes that is not enough. This is the second process. Now, the third process is yielding. That is that I'm going to surrender. Uh, and I'm going to submit myself to the process. Okay. And that is not only do I agree with it, not only am I going to commit to it, but I'm going to begin to yield myself to the process of to becoming whatever is spoken, right? And then lastly is to begin to execute. You see, everything starts with the seed form inside of our hearts and lives. And that is that the vision goes forth, the message goes forth, and we begin to get excited and we get hope uh, and expectation uh, for what is going to take place. Such as if God says, you know, I'm going to use you in a very mightily way and that you're going to build a great ministry and, and you're going to have influence and you're going to have impact and all these different things, right, that God says. Well, that's just the vision casting moment. And what a lot of people do is they get super excited about the vision casting. And that is that, to, woo, I'm going to be this and that. But what we don't understand is the process of commitment, of yielding, of executing that actually gets us to where we want to go. So what we do is we, we sit and we wait. And we say, God told me. God told me I was going to influence people in a mighty way. God told me that I was going to build a great ministry. God told me, God told me, God told me. And what that puts us in is a state of waiting. And that is that um, God told me that so I'm going to sit <clears throat> and I'm going to wait. <clears throat> and I'm going to wait for this to happen. And so what we do is we turn, instead of turning into soldiers, we turn into um, spectators. 
instead of getting engaged in the fight and engaged in the process inside of 100% commitment and started yielding and engaging and begin to carry out the master's will, what do we do? We sit and wait like he's going to deliver it all in our lap one day. And so the reality is, is that getting out of this, this mindset of saying, you know what, uh, I'm going to get out of lip service. And that is, I'm going to get out with this mental assent and this mental, uh, this verbal agreement to certain principles and all these different things that I'm going to get out to uh, of just agreeing. It's a good start. It's a good start, you know. And I see myself there in multiple different, different things. Uh, agreeing to it is 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 the first part of the battle. But stepping forward and going all in commitment. Now think about it in this fashion: that God says um, that God is love. And the most important thing that we can be consumed with is loving God and loving others as ourselves and then beginning to love our enemies in the world around us. Everything is attached to this idea of love. So I look at that and say, wow, you know, I agree with that. That is the, that is the great, uh, that is a great thing to be about. That's a great thing to consume my life with. And I give mental agreement and mental assent to it. But the reality is, is that that's just division casting. That is just, you know, me uh, seeing myself as walking in love and experiencing this love relationship with God and allowing that spirit to flow through me to other people. And I begin to learn to love myself. I begin to learn to love my enemies and all that things. All of that doesn't begin to happen until I go all in with it. It goes from uh, a vision to a heart belief to a manifest action. And that is a behavior which leads to multiple uh, different results and fruits inside of our lives. But mere uh, uh, contemplating the idea and uh, meditating on the idea doesn't get down to the nitty gritty. Now the reality is, is whatever we can learn that causes us to love more, whether that's reading a book, whether that's listening to this podcast, whether it's going to church and all these different things, we can tell the results of all of those things by the fruit. And is that is, are we walking in more love? Are we becoming more loving? Are we loving ourselves more? And are we learning to love our enemies? And that's the reality. And if the, the, uh, the thing that we're feeding on doesn't accomplish that, then it's not very good, okay? So it's important to understand that uh, reality inside of that. So moving on. So first of all, we agree, uh, we commit, then we yield, and then we execute. Now the execution process is this, is that I'm going to fully carry this out. And then I'm gonna fully put this into effect inside of my life. And what this all comes down to is that I am, uh, I am willing or I'm going to do what is required and I am willing and able to produce. And that is an awesome re reality. And, and Jesus said this, the things that I say, are you willing to, um, to carry these out fully? Are you willing to fully put these in effect? Are you willing to do what is required? Now here's the reality of um, defects that I see inside of my life. And that is areas where I don't measure up to my own standards, areas that I want to become better, areas that I want to thrive in. The reality comes is that I am not to the level that I want to be simply 
because I'm not executing. And that is, there's something in me that is in resistance to doing what is required. And here is the way uh, spirituality works. Here's the way life works. Is uh, think of it like a cake. And that is, is that if you want to have an awesome cake, uh, you need all the right ingredients. And if you're like me, you need to fully follow the instruction, instructions. Now there's some of you uh, that might be able to whoop up something uh, um, and it'd be no problem. But to taste well, it's following the instruction and it's having all the required ingredients. Now the reality is inside of our life that the potency that we desire all comes from required ingredients. And that is, is that if you want a relationship, a marriage relationship that's on fire, there are certain ingredients that cause that potency, that strength and that power to become a reality. And the reality is, is that um, we want the potency without the ingredients. Because the ingredients is actually doing what is required. And we don't want to do what is required. We just want to experience the reality of a wonderful marriage, right? Not understanding that a part of ingredients inside of a wonderful marriage might be communication. It might be compromise. It might be intimacy. It might be uh, connecting and doing things together. And we find that if, if you have the right ingredients, the potency that you desire is going to taste awesome. Now, what begins to happen is if we begin to have ingredients that don't belong, and then that is called weakness, and that is called a, 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 a strength is this. Strength is having all the right ingredients. Weakness is a lack of the required ingredients. And that is areas in our life where we're just simply not willing to do what is required. And that is the truth. Now, this touches to the core of some of the poverty in our, inside of our lives. You know, I do believe that there is poverty inside this world and that, you know, there is some uh, uh, nations and, and different stuff that you can't rise above because of the oppressive nature of the government and that radical change needs to take place. I'm not denying that. But in most cases, uh, poverty is, is caused by not doing is what is required. And that is not uh, uh, being too lazy, being too comfortable, not growing, not expanding, not increasing your mindset so you can have the capacity to hold more, right? Uh, uh, spending too much, failure to save, all these required ingredients take place inside of financial thriving. And so we see that, that the core problem that we face is not willing to do what is required. Mm. So... Speaking of love, and that being the main thing, and our main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing, and that love is what uh, we should be about, I think it's important to understand the definition, and that simply love, um, this will take a whole podcast to unpack every little bit, so I'm just going to touch on a couple, but it's recognizing worth. And that is seeing the value in something. This is what love is. And that you look at God and you see his worth. And you begin to estimate his value. Okay? And that value uh, becomes uh, a very significant and very great. 
And therefore, when, when value is increased, uh, cherishness, cherishness takes place, where we begin to cherish it and esteem it highly because of the worth and the value. So this is the ultimate definition of love, that we look at God and say, you know what, the, his value is, is through the roof. Uh, I estimate, I esteem him highly. Now, when we take this inside of our lives and we begin to love ourselves, uh, what we're actually tapping into inside of love is our worth. And that comes to dignity. It comes to self-worth. Okay. And once we begin to tap in that and to begin to see our value, we begin to walk in love towards ourselves. If we don't value ourselves, there's no way we're going to love ourselves. There's no way we're going to walk in self-care if we don't care. And so it's actually tapping into our own self-worth and our own value that is very, uh, very uh, connected to potential value, right? And, and really understanding our worth and estimating ourselves highly so much so that we begin to practice self-care, we begin to love ourselves and take care of ourselves. So the Bible says this, uh, we should be all about loving the Lord God with all of our heart at our neighbor as ourselves. And so if we're not loving ourselves, it's impossible to love our neighbor as ourselves. You see how this flows. The way God flows is this, is that he is going to um, be to you what we are to be to the world. And that is, he's going to love us. He's going to accept us. He's going to fill us with capacity and encouragement and filled with the spirit. He's going to be kind to us. And everything that God is, is love. And it's going to manifest to us inside of our lives. So we can begin to do the same thing to ourselves. And that is that I'm going to start being patient with myself. I'm going to start accepting myself. I'm going to start caring for myself. Okay. And then that in turn gives me the power to give it away to the people around me, to my family first, and then to my community, and to my city, and to my state, and to my nation, and to my world. And it all starts first with really experiencing God as love inside of your own heart. Mm. That is a powerful reality. So love is recognizing worth, and love is a verb. It's an action word of doing the right thing at the right time for the right reason. This is all purity and motives involved in here. And so this is what Jesus is saying here is that, uh, Lord, Lord, and don't do the things that I say. And we really need to get uh, fine-tuned about what he did actually say. And walking in love is really key to all of this. So moving on, God is uh, God wants to do for you, in you, and through you. So for you, you see thoroughly what God did for you, and then it comes in you, right? You begin to experience the reality of it. It's more than just head knowledge, and you actually believe that God loves you instead of hearing and seeing So God so loved the world. You actually believe God so loved him. And you begin to experience the reality of that, and that begins to flow through you. So Jesus is saying here, uh, don't call me Lord, Lord, and don't do the things that I say. That I got a certain thing that I have laid forth. I have a certain thing that I have prescribed that is going to work for you. This love walk and this, uh, this walk of love is what I have prescribed. And these are the things that I'm speaking to you and the words that are coming out of my mouth. This is what I am asking you to do. This is what Jesus said. Not only asking, but this is what I'm telling you to do. 
and not only telling you, but this is what I'm showing you to do. And we see inside of Jesus as, a, as our uh, disciple maker, as our teacher, as our master, is that he not only uh, spoke all these wonderful words, right? But he demonstrated and he showed by his lifestyle what is required of us. And he says what? Go and do likewise. And that is what I am experiencing from God is simply to flow through me and that I can go and begin to do likewise. Whew. Luke 6, uh, 47. Whosoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. Now, this is where we get attached to um, overcoming the storms and the difficulties that take place inside of our, our lives. But it starts with really not only... Uh, um, giving mental assent to lordship and not only hearing the words of god but begin to execute and to carry them out it's kind of like this here is the task the task is thoroughly communicated i put that task down and i set it right here and what most men do is they give mental assent to the task and they, they agree to carry out the task but they don't pick it up and so this is what execute means is that i'm going to carry this out this is my burden. This is my responsibility. This is my cross to bear. And I'm going to pick this up and I'm going to begin to execute. So, he that comes to me, he that hears, and he that does. These are the three things. You know, ultimately we see the man who weathers the storm, who doesn't fall apart, doesn't get all crazy, and we see three of the powerful ingredients that cause the stability inside of his life. Come to me. And that is this word called resort. That means you're going to resort to me. I'm going to be your resort. And that is if you're uh, um, for aid, for refuge. This one, when you resort to something, that means like you go to as the source. For example, if uh, you're a kid and you just moved out and your car broke down, you're gonna resort to what? You're gonna resort to your system or your safety net and that is strong people around you that can come to your rescue in a sense, but that you can resort to for uh, a resource. Okay, this is what therapy teaches you. What are your resources? What are you going to do, right? And to begin to plan ahead. But understanding this is that the first step in this process is to resort to Christ. That he is my resource. He is my resource. I'm going to come to him. Now, this is foundational in getting outside of addiction because what we do is that we, we're seeking comfort, Comfort from the pain, comfort from normality, comfort from all of these different things that are taking place inside of our lives. And what we do is we say this substance right here, this is go, I'm going to resort to this. This is going to be my go-to. This is going to be my source. And we're seeking aid and we're seeking refuge inside of something else. And this is the key cause of addiction. And this manifested inside of money, inside of greed, inside of 
uh, validation for from other people. It manifests inside of alcoholism. It manifests inside of drugs. Manifests inside of pornography. And the bottom line in all this is this first step in the process of weathering the storm. And that is that I'm going to resort to Christ and I'm not going to resort to this. This is not going to be my source of comfort. Okay. And this is really, really the foundation to beginning to weather the storm. Number two is I'm going to begin to pay attention. Uh, pay attention is that I'm going to heed. I'm going to listen. I'm going to incline my ear. And that is I'm going to look for situations and things to take place in my life where God begins to speak to me. And I begin to hear from him. And I incline my ear and I'm inclining my ears so I can be open to wisdom and so I can begin to hear instruction. And so when we're, you know, in the world, in the world system, I, I, I thoroughly feel like that, uh, that mode of mechanism is kind of shut off. You know, I think when we are born again, I think the light bulb turns on. I think we get woke. I think we get revelation and illumination. And I honestly think that our ears begin to be, get open. But... That is not enough. It's cool. But we could still get bogged down with all of the things that are taking place inside of our lives that we don't hear. And that's why Jesus said, if you have ears to hear, let them hear. And that is you should be thoroughly paying attention to what I am saying so you can grasp and understand. Because if you grasp this, if you swallow this, if this gets inside of your heart, then you're going to begin to manifest great and awesome results. And that's what he's saying here. That this is something so fundamental, so basic, that once you grab it and say, you know what, I'm going to come to him. He's going to be my resource. I am not going to be the kind of person that resorts to all of these other things. I'm going to resort to him and I'm going to incline my ear, open my ear and begin to pay attention and begin to listen. And number three is dust carry out. I'll read that again. So whoever comes to me, number one, and hears my sayings, number two, and does them three, I will show you whom he is like. So once again, it comes down to the execution. Luke six forty eight. He is a man who built a house and dug deep and he laid the foundation on the rock. And when the floods arose and the streams beat vehemently on the house and it could not shake it because it was founded on the rock. First of all, I want to tap into this idea of it's like a man who built. Okay. And the very definition brings us back to the place of a builder and a constructor. And I don't think we really have that identity uh, much anymore. Uh, most, most of us have the identity of a sinner, uh, identity of a worm, identity of a loser, identity of an addict, identity of a pervert, right? And we have all this different identity, but we don't have the identity of a builder. And I want you to say with us, I am a builder and I am called to construct. I am a builder and I am called to construct. I want you to take a moment and look at what you're building. Look at what you're constructing, because this is your life. This is what you're building. And to sit as the builder and say, whew, this is an ugly creation. And to begin to look around and to point responsibility in another location is not going to get us anywhere. Because 
we are the builder. We are constructing. And it, need, it needs only to come back to, <laughs> what am I building? What am I carrying out? What am I executing? And it's okay to get a little disgusted. Man, I did. I got a dose of reality, man. Five years ago, I looked at my life and looked at where I was headed and looked at where I was going. And I actually, God gave me a glimpse of the future. And uh, I begin to see certain things that are beginning to carry out. And I begin to get scared. I was flat out scared that this is the direction and this is the way my life is going and I need some radical change. And I looked at my construct. I looked at my building and said, this builder is whack. This builder right now doesn't know what he's doing. This builder right now is intoxicated and he's building chaos, frustration and defeat in every single area of his life. And it was only the responsibility to look at that and say, you know what? I am the builder and I need to stop building immediately. And we need to revise the plans. We need to get the architect and the engineer down here. <laughs> and we need to get some communication going on. And so I can begin to uh, see where I'm going wrong. You know, as far as plumbing the line, and you know, uh, I was way out of level and way out of whack. And I needed some serious, uh, serious adjustments, okay? And so that's what plays out in our lives. But we have to understand that we are the one who is constructing. We are the one who is building. So this man, he went to build a house and he dug it deep. Now think about this. If any man is going to build something, I, I, you know, I used to be a builder. I built thousands of homes uh, for a decade. I had a great, awesome time. Um, it was a real wonderful experience. But one thing that we make sure we do and we get thoroughly knowledgeable is the plans, okay? And we get thoroughly acquainted with those and, and understanding that this building is based upon a systemized plan in a, a certain process. Now, God does have a plan and he does have a process and he's communicating that to us. And it behooves us to create something great that we would actually listen, okay? <laughs> So, to uh, uh, construct is to make, form, and create. And the first thing that he did was dig deep. And that is the far beyond the surface level. Now, I find this to be very important that if we want stability, if we want grit, we're going to have to go beyond surface talk. We're going to have to go beyond what is normal conversations. We're going to have to go beyond the norm. And that is that we're going to have to dig deep. Now, the same thing is true for our marriage. We want a, a great marriage. We want it to be filled with intimacy and with power. We're going to have to dig deep. And that is go down deep. Don't be shallow. It doesn't matter what you want to build in life. Um, going down deep is what's going to sustain you. Because if you build a, something that you consider great on the surface... And it looks amazing, right? But there was no uh, there was no forsaking of the shallowness and no going down deep. Um, when difficulty arises, that great and awesome thing that you're building is going to no longer exist. And that is as if we stay surface level inside of our marriage, if we stay uh, uncommitted inside of our business, if we don't go deep inside of uh, what is taking place inside of our body and begin to rectify the deficiencies and all of these things, 
uh, it might look great, but uh, that's going to come to ruin in a certain day. Now, the analogy I get for this is, you know, somebody who works out, um, who has a lot of muscle mass, right? And they appear to be something great and something awesome. Uh, when in fact, uh, they eat a lot of fatty foods and they put a lot of strain upon their heart and, um, and they're one step away from a heart attack. In fact, you know, a lot of people accomplish this great and awesome thing by, uh, by uh, different means and that is steroids and shooting their booty and all this stuff. And, and so what appears on the outside is not always what is taking place on the inside. And so it's important to understand that not to give in to the facade of greatness. Now, I picture these both of these men's houses. Uh, that the, I imagine that they both appeared great from the outside. In fact, the one that failed, I kind of, in my mind, picture it a little more uh, bougie. And that is it has a, a lot more architecture, a lot more fanciness, and uh, just uh, overall maybe better appearance because it spends a lot of time on the exterior elements of life, right? And But the other man spent a lot of time on the inner elements of life, and that is he was going to dig deep. Now, he wasn't more uh, concerned about the beauty or the exterior appearance. He was concerned about the stability of the building and the safety and the prolonged situation that would come against it. You see, each man builds for different reasons. And that is some build for um, exterior validation, and that is to get the applause and the approval of others and woo, look at the, look at how great this is and blah 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 not understanding that the the more important thing is to for stability and to dig deep hmm. so he laid the foundation he got the essentials and the fundamentals down to a t and lastly he built upon the rock and that is he had a base for strong support and stability now when the floods arose and I like this terminology because it's, it's just when. <laughs> okay. Two men are building. Two men are constructing. Two men are creators inside of their world. And their creation is going to stand uh, uh, difficulties and situation. It's going to test what kind of building this is. It's going to test it out. So when the floods arose, and the reality is, is that the floods are going to arise. And they happen to all men the same. Uh, calamity is no respecter of persons. Trials are no respecter of persons. Temptation. Temptation doesn't um, resist you because you are well off. Okay? Temptation knows no bounds. All men are subject to these crises, to these storms, and these calamities. But here's the reality. The, the floods arose, and this is a great overflowing stream by large, heavy rains. This is a storm. These are the situations that come into our lives that I've already talked about in thorough detail. And it's rising, and it begins to overflow, and it begins to beat on the house. And the Bible says that it begins to strike it repeatedly, to beat it vehemently. That means to hit now think of something like in a fight that's something that hits repeatedly. Think about this, right? That you're in a fight and somebody grabs your face and starts hitting you repeatedly. That is the analogy that is taking place here. And the, the purpose, of course, is to inflict pain. 
that you would uh, be devastated in some way, that you would experience injury. So here the storm comes, it strikes repeatedly, it hits you repeatedly. Purpose and intention is to inflict pain for you to suffer great in injury, right? And so the Bible says that the, the man who did these three things, it couldn't be shaken. It could not be shaken. And it gives the, the reason because it was founded on the rock. And that is because he, he came to Jesus, he heard his words, and began to execute and to perform them. These are three ingredients to the concrete of the foundation inside of our lives. And it produced what? Unshakableness, stability. And this is what we want. We want to be in the storms. We want to be stable. We want to be unshaken by the difficulties that arise inside of our lives. And it only comes through these three ingredients that I'm talking about. So let's talk about this other man for a minute. He didn't do none of those things. He didn't come to Jesus. He didn't give attention to his words and he didn't uh, put forth any application whatsoever. On the flip side, he that hears his words and does not is like a man without a foundation. He built the house on the earth and the streams. The storm came and it beat upon it and immediately it fell and the ruin of the house was great. So this idea of falling means that it was brought down. Uh, this, I feel like, is a very shameful and a very harsh experience that uh, me as a builder would create something uh, that would appear to be amazing only to not stand the test. And this is the reality of what our lives are, is that are we going to build upon the rock, on something stable and something firm, or are we going to build upon the earth? I find that... Uh, uh, that analogy of building on the earth is is it comes from earthly mindedness it comes from fleshly intentions and worldly ways and so this is a man who decided to build his life upon the earth in all of those things and it fell it was brought down and it was ruined and the the um, the consequence of these words are so powerful uh, this idea of being ruined is to damage uh, without repair. And that is there is something that is taking place upon this building and the storm overtook it. And because it was not prepared to weather, because it thought, you know, uh, wealth, health and prosperity gospel that I'm just going to walk on cloud nine and everything is going to be nice and wonderful. And they just thought, you know, God is the kind of God that snatches us up out of all of our difficulties. And so before any difficult scenarios come upon the world, he's going to snatch me out. And he's going to pull me out and I'm going to be rescued and I don't have to go through. And all of these stories are, are things that lead to belief systems and they lead to a lack of really sincere preparation and getting the mindset ready for the storm. You see, if you know that you're going into a storm, you're going to begin to prepare for stormy weather. And that is that you know and understand that something is going to take place and that it would be wisdom for you to begin to prepare for that. 
For example, if you're going out to the beach and you know it's going to be a hundred degree weather and it's going to the sun is going to be uh, shine, no clouds, right? Uh, it would behoove you um, to understand the conditions and that you should prepare for the conditions and that is you should bring sunscreen. And if you don't, you're going to get burned. Okay, this is the, the ultimate analogy of what I'm talking about. This lack of preparation leads us to be ill-equipped, which leads us to getting burned. But on the flip side, if we know and understand what the master is saying to us, and we begin to incline our ear, we begin to carry out and execute the things that he says, and we know and understand what is taking place, then preparation is involved. And guess what? There's not utter ruin and destruction. We're not getting burned. Okay? So this man, and what he built was utterly demolished without repair. It wasn't even like, you know what, uh, there's some something left here for us to build on. Gone. Destroyed. Utterly. And that is that he was, he was subject to the ultimate frustration, failure, disaster. And he was devastated. See, I don't know about you, but I don't want that to be me. And going through these different storms that we face in life, purpose and intention is to inflict injury and pain and for us to suffer what? Devastation. And if we know and understand and we are in alignment with the Spirit of God inside of our lives and we are connected and we got these three things down, devastation is not a part of the equation. I'll say that once again. Once we got these three things down, I'm going to come to him. I'm going to incline my ear. I'm going to execute and carry out what he says. That devastation is not part of our equation. And that is we are going to be the one that weathers the storm. The storm is going to pass through. And our creation and what we have built will stand. Talk about a legacy. I don't know about you, but I don't want a legacy of, of a man who was devastated. I want the legacy of a man who carried out and executed, built something great. And not only did he build something great, but it stood the test of time. Mm.